This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Um, this week's episode, I think, is we're going to deep dive into the N-word, freedom of speech, hate speech, um, just words in general and how we use them and who we choose to listen to and what stories are prioritised. And this corridor is all being sparked by the words of Invercargill Mayor Nobby Clark. And when I read this article, um, it did raise a lot of points for me, and um, which is what I'm hoping to unpack here on the show today. Um, but it brought up so much and um, I think it's worth having a conversation about it and having a conversation about it in the wider sense. Like I, I kind of just want to use what Nobby Clark has said to kind of talk about what is the bigger picture here and what's going on um, in a more wider sense because, you know, the way that um, – Nobby Clark used the N-word and the way that he feels about it, um, he, you know, he won't be the only one. And so this is in no means to have a conversation to kind of pick apart this individual. Um, but I more just wanted to talk about the wider things that are going on. So recently, Nobby Clark used the N-word um, at a local arts event. Um, and I think the the um, vibe of the event was to talk about arts and creativity and during that event Nobby Clark used the n-word six times Um, and someone there was a video of the event that was circulating and Clark um, kind of posed the question does poetic expression override some of our society norms and that's something that I want to get into a bit later um, and then it kind of gives a bit of a warning I suppose and, and it goes to it goes on to say so you've got to close your, your ears if you've got a sensitive mind now um, and then he goes on to say um, but we have art or poetry that uses words like queer, the n-word, the f-word, the b-word which I have heard recently, is that beyond our tolerance as a society? And how does that interface with the right of people within the art world to have freedom of expression to push their points? Um, and then, you know, Nobby Clark, good, I mean, suppose good on him, <laughs> but he then went on to speak to One News um, to talk about, you know, the intent, I suppose, um, about his marks. And so the context of of which Nobby Clark used the N-word, um, as he was explaining in the One News interview, um, the N-word or those remarks were um, sparked by a debate over the 
content that a new or that a potential new council-owned art gallery would be prohibited from being exhibited and and then he goes on to say you know as a city councillor or mayor that owns and manages a facility on behalf of a community that has art expression that refers to things like queer to the n-word which you get a lot of American art and American media then then the F word, the B word stuff as well. And then he goes on to ask, you know, who controls that? Um, you know, and then Nobby Clark then went on to explain, you know, he hates the, the term the N word and then goes on to say, you know, if a rapper says the N word constantly, do you be offended by that? Well, I personally am, and I'll probably go to some links to stop that being in an art gallery that we have. Um, but again, you're up against art people saying you're curtailing our rights to expression. So where does expression overlap with decency, freedom of speech, and hate speech? Um, and then he was saying that this discussion had been further prompted or sparked um, by Christchurch author's Tusiata Avia's book, The Savage Colonizer, which, um, you know, which had a lot of controversy surrounding it after the Creative New Zealand or Creative New Zealand Agency funded a stage show adaptation um, of the book for the Auckland Arts Festival, which I will get into a bit later on as well. Um, you know, but he was saying that some of the poems in that book, especially around James Cook, borders on hate speech. And, um, you know, it does prompt some ethical debates for our community if it is being funded by Creative New Zealand. So... You know, and, and the mayor did say he knew that he would rattle some people in the room by using that word. And, you know, he was, quote unquote, just prompting some thoughts with people. Um, you know, Nobby Clark did go on to say, got lots of good feedback from people that attended. Um, but I, you know, and then he goes on to say, but I knew there would be some that would be a little uneased by the words. But these are not words I use. So... I thought that was an interesting way of wording it. Um, and then after that, he kind of goes on to say, there are words that if you listen to any of the LA rap music or some of the video stuff that comes out of America, you hear people referring to them as N-words, and I hate that term. Um, which is... Yeah, I... <laughs> there's a lot of feelings around that um and so you know the mayor himself was saying that he got lots of good feedback but according to this article two of the attendees um felt that the usage of the n-word was inappropriate and it did shock the audience um and you know nobby went on to say that he was disappointed um that anyone who thought he was out of line didn't talk to him directly and then he goes on to say they run off to the media and then I get a bit of a wider assassination attempt that I'm an outspoken person that's not doing a very good job as a white elderly male and mayor which um, I find is a little bit reverse of what they're complaining about me saying I thought we were beyond color and age um, which I've got lots of feelings about that um, comment as well. Um, so, 
I'm not going to get into more about, you know, who Clark Nobby is or, you know, what his previous positions are because, again, I don't want to centre the conversation around him as an individual, but I want to use what he said and, and what, you know, what he said in, not only during the event but in this one news interview to, you know, unpack the wider conversations that are happening here and um, the first thing that I kind of want to get into is the point around the feedback and the fact that you know according to Nobby Clark that you know the 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 feedback was really good um and then he was disappointed that anyone who thought he was out of line didn't talk directly to him and then kind of insinuated that um well not insinuated he did directly say that you know they run off to the media and then there's a assassination attempt aka an attempt to cancel the man um and implications that you know he's not doing a good job as a white elderly male um and then the comment around beyond color and age um i think that really got to me because even though he doesn't directly say it you know it's this is an attitude that i feel like i've come that I have come across a lot, you know, in, in many situations, whether it's anecdotally on on the internet, just, you know, soaking up what's what's happening around me. This is an attitude that comes up quite a lot where it's like, well, hey, I thought we were so progressive that, you know, things like colour and age are just not a thing. Like, And this is colour blindness to the nth degree because the whole point about being beyond colour and beyond age, you know, doesn't mean that we're erasing those structures because, unfortunately, those structures do exist. But I think the idea is that we have conversations about, you know, in particular in privilege that is associated with colour and privilege that is associated with age kind of unpacking the systems and so it's a more equitable playing field and that does not mean erasing colour and age that means we're acknowledging the reality and thinking about and talking about well how can we change the system so this is no longer reality but never in that conversation is there um, ideals about you know, being completely blind to what those things mean and how they show up in people's lives and how they impact people's lives. And I think to say that, um, I think that is a a lazy way out or the path of least resistance when talking about um, all the isms in the world. I think, you know, this kind of mahi is really hard work regardless of you know whether you're one with privilege or one lacking the privilege and 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 just acknowledging that in different circumstances we hold different privileges and so it's not going to be the same across the board even for just one individual but what I'm saying is that we need to be thinking about um we need to be thinking about 
you know, if we are dedicated to being in this work, it will be uncomfortable. And to kind of pick the path of least resistance and say, well, I thought we were beyond this. It actually does not acknowledge the problem at all. And, you know, kind of makes it worse because you're invalidating that it is a problem um, to begin with. Um, another thing that really stood out to me from from Clark's comments is um, this point of, you know, I I hate the term. I really hate the term. Um, it's not something that I use. Um, let me try to find exactly where it is, but something along, he said, you know, something along the lines of it's a term that I really hate and it's not something that I use. Um, and that comment, I think, really puts a distance between him himself and um, the act, you know, taking responsibility for his actions. Oh, yes, I found it. So, um, you know, I knew there would be some that would be a little uneased by the words, but these are not words that I use. Um, and so, you know, there's this idea that, hey, look, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the kind of person that uses the N-word. It's not something that I associate with in my personal life, but it's something that I just used in this context to make a point. And this kind of, this distancing, it makes me feel uncomfortable because you're not not taking responsibility for your actions and I think that is um, that is just not all good and especially in 2023 I think people need to take responsibility for their actions because it's at that point where you take responsibility for your actions um you know, then that growth and that change can happen. But there will never be an opportunity for that growth and change um, when there's that distancing. Because then when there is that distancing, it's kind of like an admission of, oh, I know what I'm doing is not great, um, so I'm going to try to distance myself. And then so my my question to you at that point, not specifically to um, Clark but just to you know everyone because it's something that we all do it's something that um, I personally do as well um, whether it's in the context of you know being an ally or whether it's just in the context of um, owning up to my own mistakes that impact you know my my family and my friends um, and people that I know in my personal life um, you know it's so easy to try to put distance um, but if you're brave enough to take the harder path and you are doing a service to yourself and everyone involved and you can be like, hey, this is really uncomfortable, but I'm sitting with my actions and trying to figure out what this means, um, how it impacts um, myself and other people around me, etc. But as soon as you kind of put that distance, um, there is no accountability there and it's hard to... Um, it's hard to for that opportunity for growth to come about. And another point from, you know, Clark Nobby's comments, which made me um, 
feel not uncomfortable. Yeah, I would say I feel uncomfortable because it's something that I've seen come up time and time again is this, you know, idea of bringing stuff up for, you know, just for the for prompting some people or prompting some thoughts with people and for asking the that wider question and you know he was he was using the n-word for the point of art or for the sake of the argument and you know I and I in in response to that I could say well there are many ways that he could have gone about it you know there was no need to say it that many times there was no need to say the n-word explicitly I mean even for myself as a black woman I am uncomfortable saying that word um because you know if I think about the black experience there are definitely some parts of the black experience which looking at my history and um my whakapapa just something that um isn't doesn't feature as part of my history or my whakapapa and for that reason alone I feel very um slightly uncomfortable using that n-word um and I'm hesitant to use the n-word as a black person and so you know for him to use the n-word for the sake of an argument considering how harmful that word is considering the history of that word I think is um it's just not all good, especially considering that, you know, he is a mayor, he does have a lot of power and privilege, and, you know, I don't know everything about this man, but just um, from looking at photos of him, you know, he is a Pakiha man who, so Pakiha, a man a bit older, you know, the proximity to power with those kind of um, identities, you know, it's pretty pretty dang close um and again I don't know who he is as a person and you know there will be his own set of privileges and lack thereof that he will have considering his his lived experience his history his um family all of that kind of stuff so I will say that you know there is nuance that I am missing but just by looking at him you know there he does have identities that bring him very close to to power and then there's that additional power um proximity to power you know of being mayor and to think about someone with that much power using the n-word I think it sends it does send a message, you know, if someone with that much power and privilege can use the N-word, you know, for the sake of an argument or for the sake of prompting thoughts, um, it just seems like it's a very high cost for the sake of an argument when there could have been so many, there are different avenues of kind of prompting the same conversation without the use of... um, the n-word you know considering the history and how damaging that word is um I think he could have thought about how to use that conversation in a different way and I think underlying that um you know for the prompt of the or for the sake of the of the discussion I think underneath that kind of lies it's, it's a perfect example of the 
you know, freedom of speech versus um, hate speech. And I'm not saying that what he was doing was was um, hate speech, but if you kind of pull apart the specific details of this um, event and you pull it down to the conversation at its core, I think there is this tension between freedom of speech and hate speech. And it's been like this really big push and pull tug between the two. Um, and it's especially been accelerated since um, the Christchurch terrorist attacks, since COVID. And I think recently what's been happening, um, this conversation has come up a lot during Pride Month as well. And, um, you know, we'll get into that conversation a little bit later. But I think you know, there were so many other ways of bringing, it up, bringing up that conversation that didn't, you know, have to result in using the N-word. I think, you know, if we want to have conversations about things, we can use it in language that isn't um, harmful, that we can use, we can bring up those conversations and use language that, uh, that you know, honours the people in the room and even if they're not physically in the room but you know our community our our global community that acknowledges the history and the hurt and the pain there um because that is a form of um love and respect and if we ever want to have any kind of genuine conversation that takes us to a plane of change and to the plane of growth I think we need to have that with love and respect and you know that doesn't necessarily mean you have to um, understand you know because there will be some people who will never understand um, the history and exactly why the n-word is a very painful word to use and exactly why there are some people who can say the n-word and some people who certainly can't um you know you don't 100% have to understand the ins and outs but I think if those base ingredients of love and respect were there um that would lead to more um productive conversations for everyone involved and healing conversations for everyone involved and so I'm kind of disappointed that you know the argument of well for the sake of the conversation was used to justify behavior and it's not just in this context it's something that I've personally seen time and time again and I think it's something that happens a lot um you know engaging in behavior using language that is really um harmful for the sake of the conversation um and there are better ways that we can have this conversation um another thing that I really picked out um while kind of looking while reading the comments um that Nobby Clark used uh you know he kept saying you know he hates the N N word he hates that term so much and again I think that is another form of distancing like I personally don't use this I personally think it's a horrible word um then goes on to use it anyway but anyways you know, he you know he brings up this um sentiment of I hate the n-word you know if a rapper uses the n-word constantly do you be offended by that well I personally am and I'll go to some links to stop that being in an art gallery art gallery that we have and I think that that there are a lot of things to um 
to unpa- unpack there. So for a Pakeha man to be offended by rappers using the N-word, it just makes me think, well, do you know who can and can't use the N-word? And I think this is where uh, the lack of education is kind of glaringly obvious because um, that the N-word is being reclaimed. And I think this is where context is very important, but people don't understand the context unless you have the education. And so for black people to use that N-word um, has is not the same as if you know, someone else who wasn't black was to use the N-word. They, those, and even though it's the same word, they hold very, very different meanings. And I think if you think about the history of black people, particularly in America, because, you know, he does, Nobby Clark does reference um, LA, American media, American art, um, LA rappers a lot, especially in the context of the American history or the African American history in America um, there is power in kind of reclaiming that word and and so black people have every right to use that word whether it's in a sentence or whether it's in a rap you know every right to use that word however people who do not have that history who do not have that pain in their whakapapa, um, who do not hold that trauma, have absolutely no right to use that word because what are you reclaiming in that context? Like, what are you reclaiming in that context specifically? Um, And I think, you know, the answer is there is nothing to reclaim. Therefore, you have no right to use that word. Um, And so if a black rappers using that n-word they have every right to 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 use that and you know your personal offense has nothing to do with that rapper quote-unquote using the n-word it has nothing to do with that and you know just has yeah it has nothing to do with that and i know that people can make the argument of well you know well we're living in a society today where so many words are blacklisted. If you use um, X, Y, Z words, you will be cancelled for using that because you can't use that word now. And I think that this sentiment really dilutes the idea of, or really dilutes the growth and the progression that have been happening. I think, you know, maybe in some contexts, um, maybe in some contexts it has gotten too far but it doesn't mean that you can put everything into the same boat of well oh we've just gone too far and in our society and everything is so bubble wrapped um and that is not true that is that is not true i think because we are more openly having these conversations about the systemic inequalities and all the isms you know as a result of that absolutely there will be some words that we can you know, in good conscience, we can no longer use. But I think the main point here is in good conscience. And sure, you know, Nobby Clark can feel validated in being offended by the use of the N-word. But, um, 
you know, I think then that also, you know, I'm not going to take away his offence, but I think what needs to be spoken about here is, you know, there are some people who actually can use that word. There's not like a blanket term. And so I'm not saying that his offence um, should be invalidated, but all I'm saying is that, you know, there there are some people who can use this word. And so to take that and be like, well, I'm personally offended and, you know, we should go to great lengths to stop that being used in art galleries, to stop that just being used in general, um, that is... I think that is a step too far, um, a step too far considering the history and the hurt and um, this this power and this reclamation that is happening. Um, so if I had to, if I had an opportunity, because, you know, Nobby Clark did say, you know, I'm disappointed, um, you know, that people didn't come up to me and say that he was out of line. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but... If I had an opportunity to speak directly to Nobby Clark, I would say, you know, I'm not in no way am I saying you should be cancelled or you should lose your position of being a mayor. But all I have to say is that, you know, you will have your own life experience and your own set of privileges and lack thereof. But you do have to acknowledge that, you know, you are a Pakeha man who is very close to power your proximity to power and the way that our systems are set up is very dang close and for someone of your power and positioning to use the n-word and think that's okay I think is very um ignorant I think it's lacking in the education and the history um or lacking in yeah lacking in education around the history and the hurt around the n-word it is kind of um invalidating um yeah it is very invalidating of people who do who are harmed by the n-word um and I think the way that you have phrased things and please if you are listening to this, please come and correct me if I'm wrong. But it does give across, come across as being very colorblind, which is in, very invalidating of racism in general. Um, because, yes, we do want to go beyond color, age, class, etc., etc. But this does not mean to say that those things don't exist. Um, we do want to go beyond it, but we need to then talk about the systems and the proximity to power and who has it and who doesn't and why is that and how do we um, even out the playing field and make it more equitable and part of that process is that some people will use the n-word and there's every they have every reason to do so and it's not this um, you know the way that you've spoken about the n-word you make it sound like it's a dirty cheap word really offensive very vile and vulgar and a kind of vulgarity that isn't decent for society to look at but I think we need to be looking at it directly in the eyes 
and having conversations about it. Um, and this is where the growth comes from. And this is where voices that aren't normally heard are heard and stories and pain that isn't validated needs to be validated. But the way that you've gone about, you know, using the N-word, it does the complete opposite of that. And so I would then further invite you to, you know, educate yourself and think about, well, the way that I feel about the N-word, where is it coming from? Um, where, yeah, where is it coming from exactly? And one thing, another thing that I would also ask is, where is the congruency in your values? Because, you know, there is this distancing that you make, you know, I hate the N word and it's not something that I personally use. If that is the case, you know, why did you use it in this context? And I don't mean that in in an accusatory way, like, pointing my fingers at you why did you use this word more in a you know when we examine our behavior I think there's an opportunity to talk about these things on a deeper level um so when you do talk about these things so you know when you did use the n-word you know even though you have stated you don't like using it um you know why did you and why did you feel as if that was the Um, one of the only ways that you could prompt this conversation because you know what I agree with you there is it's a good conversation that we need to be having this freedom of speech and and the role that arts play in that and how how does that work in relation to to hate speech and still protecting our communities um that is an important conversation that we need to have um but was the use of the n-word necessary to that so Nobby Clark, if you're listening, feel free to holler at me. Would always love to have this conversation. But, you know, besides, regardless of what Nobby Clark thinks, I think, you know, what has happened, it, it, it does invite a deeper conversation and a deeper conversation that goes past the, the shock of, oh my God, I can't believe he used the N word in this day and age because. Yes, I am shocked, but I think we need to have a deeper conversation about it because there are a lot of people out there who engage in behaviours of distancing, who engage in behaviours of being colourblind, you know, and I think we need to be having a conversation about that. And, you know, another wider thing that kind of came up from, you know, this incident that happened is this conversation around social norms social norms decency freedom of speech um and and hate speech and i came across this group while i was doing research for this episode it's called the free speech union and it's here in aotearoa and um you know their co-papa is about fighting for protecting and expanding new zealanders rights for freedom of speech of conscience and of intellectual inquiry um you know we and this is from their website we envision a flourishing new zealand civil society that values and protects vigorous debates dissenting ideas and freedom of speech as cultural cornerstones and on their website um you know they say that this the the reason why this group exists or came about is in response to the rise of cancel culture and intolerance of free speech. We have unionized to fight the increasingly frequent instances of people suffering employment consequences for perfectly legitimate expression, expressions of free speech. Now, I 
I think we do need to have a wider conversation around um, language, words, how we use them, what is acceptable these days. Um, because I feel like, yeah, cancel culture has, you know, even for myself, I personally, I do think cancel culture has run a little bit too rampant. Like I think, you know, instead of, I, you know, I don't know what, what the original intentions of cancel culture was I think it was this idea of holding people accountable for their actions especially if they're in positions of privilege right because when you are when you do have those positions there's a lot of money with that and a lot of authority um you know you have the ability to kind of set the tone of what's in what's out what's the norm um and I understand that if you know someone is not behaving in a certain way um it does um it can incite particular things um and it can endorse particular behaviors but what i think has happened now is that i think people enjoy participating in the witch hunt too much that opportunity to have that conversation is kind of skipped and it's this enjoying of gathering of whether it's in person online like i've seen it you know we we love being part of the witch hunt and so personally yes i do think cancel culture has gotten a has has grown too quickly and is a bit rampant but what makes me uncomfortable about this um debate around freedom of speech and like social decency is that it implies that you know freedom of speech um is in line with being intellectual is in line with um of good conscience it's in line with um you know it's the sense of neutrality and i think when i think about social justice in general there are some times and in some instances where neutrality is you know just equally as bad as being oppressive and you know this especially just reading this particular website as well um you know this idea that protecting one's freedom of speech um yeah protecting one's freedom of speech is oh see even on the website you know free speech is a bedrock on which all of our other freedoms rest yet it is currently in greater peril than at any time since the second world war and I think that this idea around freedom of speech now is that it's um, it's a, it's important for intellectual conversation. It is, um, and I think it kind of lends itself to being in positions of neutrality for the sake of freedom of speech. Um, you know, and I think it's, especially in when you take that into you know, the direct competition with, um, direct competition with hate speeches. You know, I've been reading lots of, um, unfortunately lots of sad instances from the past, you know, couple of weeks, because it has been Pride Month of people being, um, uh, you know, ha have had violence acted on them, um, and horrible language as well. And, you know, there have been, 
And then recently, the government decided to put pause on the hate speech reform law. And ever since that's kind of happened, you know, people have, I've had her, you know, um, been picking up the sentiment of, well, thank goodness, because that impinged on our freedom of speech. And I think we can still have conversations where people's freedom of speech is, um, allowed but acknowledge the reality that the way our systems are currently set up there are communities and groups that are constantly marginalized and further to that you know groups that are vulnerable and are being assaulted um, being discriminated and you know to protect these groups it doesn't necessarily mean that will come at the cost of freedom of speech but the way that we talk about not all of us but you know the sentiment, the way that um, freedom of speech is sometimes raised, it's talked about as if that will be taken away. And I think that is just one specific form of fragility and the fear of privilege loss manifests because we can hold space for both things at the same time but I feel like we're not having conversations about how that could happen what that could look like we're instead having conversations around well it's either one or the other you know you keep freedom of speech because that is a cultural cornerstone and it's important to have debate and intellectual inquiry um, rather than give into you know hate speech um that is now censoring everyone and putting everyone in a bubble wrap, which is not true. And I think another thing that I also, another association which makes me a little bit uncomfortable is that freedom of speech is um, vigorous intellectual debate. And if it's, um, and it's only those who um, prioritize freedom of speech are the ones that are capable of having intellectual vigorous debate um, and it's only if we hold on to freedom of speech, then we have the ability to have vigorous intellectual debate, which is not true. And I think but because we're living, especially since post-COVID, you know, there is this huge tension between the left and right. It's also kind of bumping up this conversation around freedom of speech versus hate speech. And um, I kind of would like to finish the episode talking about um, what Nobby Clark referenced to, which was the controversy around um, the set, the um, the play based on the book The Savage Colonizer, um, which was written by Tusiata um, Avia, Avia. Sorry if I'm saying that um, incorrectly. And if I am, please reach out and let me know. Um, but I think if we talk about the controversy that unfolded around that, that is a that kind of highlights this tension between hate speech and freedom of speech. I wanted to finish the episode talking about, um, you know, this idea of um, social norms that was brought up um, by the Invercargill Mayor Nobby Clark. And it just made me think of this idea of the fact that when we think about social norms and 
the decency and being polite often what comes into friction with that is talking about things like racism um you know confronting the harm and the hurt and you know the things that would rather sweep under the carpet and I've even though they don't necessarily have to have a relationship I've just noticed that when often when we are talking about um freedom of speech versus um, hate speech and talking about these things in an open manner um, it's going against the social norms and so then therefore that is somehow being um, not decent um, and you know undermining the value or or culture which I think is a really interesting way of um, supremacy or privilege manifesting right because essentially it's like well who can tell their stories and what stories will we listen to um and which ones will we minimize um shame which ones will we um silence in the name of freedom of speech or in the name of um supposed you know hate speech and I think a prime example of that um, and also kind of linked again to Nobby Clark's comments because he did say that you know this whole conversation around art and freedom of expression um, was kind of not inspired but for lack of a better word inspired by the controversy around um, the savage colonizer so it's a stage show now but it's based on the book by Ockham winning this is like the Oscars of the literature world yes 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 um, so based on the book by Ockham winning poet Tusiata Avia and the book is called The Savage Colonizer and so yeah there's a stage show that has been funded by Creative New Zealand um, and you know ACT had something to say about it but before we get into what ACT had to say um, I'll just quickly read some little bits from the poem just to give um, y'all a taste if you haven't haven't heard it so you know the poem starts with a hey James yeah you in the white wig in the big endeavour sailing the blue blue water like a big asshole <laughs> and then it goes then another section goes James, I heard someone shoved a knife right up into the gap between your white ribs. Um, I'm going to go there, cook a white pig, feed it to the dogs. Hey James, it's us. These days we're driving around in SUVs looking for you. All white men like you. Um, Tonight James, it's me, Lani, Danielle and a car full of brown girls. Um, you've got another woman in a headlock and I've got my father's pig hunting knife in my fist and we're coming to get you sailing around in your resolution, your friendship, your discovery. Um, watch your ribs, James, because I'm coming. Um, and so, yeah, there's the vibes of the poem. Um, but the whole idea is that... Um, That it's about revenge and the fact that the past is very much connected to the present. Um, You know, there's other themes that we could pick about it. But, you know, essentially it's 
story of James Cook, you know, the ultimate colonizer, um, and how it's affected a particular community and you know you know, there's a lot there. Anyways, it's been um made into a show and um the act party put out a press release a criticizing the book and then also the show saying that the government is quote unquote funding hate with a show about murdering James Cook his descendants and white men like him with pig hunting knives and then um, you know David Seymour went on to say the government through Creative New Zealand which taxpayers fund and whose board ministers appoint is supporting works that incite racially motivated violence um, and so ACT is now calling on the government to withdraw the money that went onto the show and apologise for giving so much to racism in the first place and then Avia hit back at um, the 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 words that ACT had to say and say, you know, ACT do not understand this poem. Um, and then went on to um, link someone else's spin-off article, Claire Maybe's Guide on how to unpack that poem, which I also recommend reading if you even just reading from the little snippets and you're like, snippets, sorry, and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Um, and so I, I also would recommend that. But I think for the ACT Party to put out a statement like that is uh, it's a lot, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's quite a lot because um, I believe and also open to discussion about this, but I believe it's kind of answering that question of who will we listen to stories from, what... Um, you know what what kind of language is okay to keep up with social decency because i mean i could be wrong but i I have not seen the act party put out a press release on you know pretty violent harsh language that is used against minority communities um quite often um you know in casual settings in very direct blatant um settings and it's just interesting to me that they're calling for the government to apologize for giving so much to racism in the first place when this energy i haven't really noticed it in other places again i could be wrong because i haven't done my research but for this particular um aspect i could be wrong but i just haven't noticed similar energy and i think um when we are talking about you know social norms and decency and who can say what and freedom of speech and and hate speech I think we need to ask well who is it that we listen to what stories do we prioritize and what ones are swept um, under the carpet because it may sound like it is racially motivated violence but you know it is it is facts it is history and it's history that is impacting the present time and it also makes me um question you know about or have thoughts around reverse racism because my two cents on it reverse racism isn't really a thing and that's not to say that um you can be that you can't be, um, you know, you, you can't be harsh towards 
Pakeha people. Um, but I think when you think about what racism actually is, it is a system where proximity to whiteness is is can you know is superior, and our system is built on that premise. And in that case, you know, you know, Pakeha people can be um, oppressed, marginalised. Um, have lack of privileges in many other ways, but in that specific way, it's very hard to argue that when Pakeha people hold that um, that cultural power, and that is so reverse racism. I feel like it's not a thing. Is it um, different to racial prejudice? Yes, because racial prejudice is talking about. Um, derogatory attitudes or discriminatory attitudes which are you know purely based on assumptions about how you perceive other you know skin colors or race but that is not the same as racism and on those facts I feel like reverse racism is not a thing Um, but it's hard to have a conversation around reverse racism um, when you know we're not talking about um, whose stories are being told and whose are not and I think when we're heading into this discussion around freedom of speech and um, hate speech I think we need to acknowledge the balances right where hate speech um, it does protect our vulnerable communities Um, because you know from the crash at terrorist attacks we can you can see and that's just one example of many of how you know it seems harmless enough but hate speech harmless hate speech has been transformed and grown into you know some pretty violent hateful life-taking actions and I do understand that freedom of speech is important we need to have critical discussion we need to be able to voice opinions that don't necessarily follow our government you know there is a good balance and check for our systems Um, but we don't need to have one without the other there is actually space for both and because you know new stories are being told um, vulnerable communities are now being protected it doesn't actually infringe on that freedom of speech but the way that we're talking about it these days it does and um you know, every single time you're heading into this debate, think about how can there be room for both? Because there absolutely is. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns and catch you for the next one. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarves and Good Yarns or email us at headscarvesandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.